welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. All right, Joe, we got a lot of good basketball action this past week, so I want to dive right into it. Uh, we had that big-time matchup between Stanton and Wilson. Uh, I know we highlighted a couple other things happening this week, uh, but that was really the icing on the cake was going to be that showdown between the two teams that have you know, been the favorite in the district um, more years than not in, in the last long stretch. Um, Stanton beat up on Wilson. That's, that's how that went down. Uh, Hamilton had 21, Bell had 14, Scott had 11. Um, that, that led them. Uh, they got up early. And that was the big thing. And I liked what Coach Micken said in the uh, post-game interview uh, for City County Sports where he said, um, you know, they, they try to always come out how they try to, you know, get the early momentum and they find that easier to work with, which, I mean, logical. Uh, they did that. I mean, they nothing kept them from doing that. They went up 30-12 to 12, um, in the first quarter, and then uh, it was 49-17 at the half. So it was just it was over. And uh, so I, I thought I was pretty impressed with Stanton's effort there for the district and, and what that means for them in the district. Yes, um, especially after the heartbreaking loss to Heritage, to yeah. see them – pound Wilson the way they did um, I think gives them a lot of confidence for how things might go in the district there's there's a team that has jumped up and maybe will be a test for them that we weren't expecting um, but I, we'll figure that out here soon um, because they're going to play each other eventually yeah. uh, but it was also coach Mickens 100th win um, oh, so awesome. congrats yeah, to coach that. Mickens there uh, I may have learned that because I was preparing something for him. Um, but I, feel like I was there for win one. So that, meant yeah. that makes me feel a uh, whole, you know? <laughs> so, um, but coach Mickens has done a great job there at Stanton. Uh, and this is just win 100 of a series of wins that are on the way there. Um, and I think the awesome part for this Stanton team is they're going to not have any problems in this district the the struggle they're going to have is in the region. I know it's close, and that gives me hope that maybe they can continue to improve as the season goes on and then maybe have success in that region tournament. But that loss to Heritage is kind of a, a reality check in a little bit and maybe a way for Coach Mickens to keep his team grounded and not have them get complacent with, we're amazing, nobody can touch us, blah, blah, blah. The goal for Stanton isn't Shandoah District Championship. The goal for Stanton is... Yeah state yeah. tournament. So, right. and in order to do that, they need to be the top two in the region. And right now, I don't know if I would put them in the top two in the region. I remain optimistic for what they can do in this region. I know it's another district uh, region three C loss, but uh, the, their biggest loss this season is by seven points. And that's to Broadway. Yeah. It's competitive. Else has been inside of that. There's been a lot of one and two point losses. Uh, so I do feel like, you know, they're getting something from that. Those aren't debilitating losses, but at just some point they're going to, you know, we're going to have to wait and see them overcome that and prove wrong because, you know, their, their wins, uh, Amherst County and I mean, the Madison County wins a nice win. That's, you know, that's a team that's traditionally pretty good. Um, but, you know, a lot of three C losses out there. And so, yeah. And, and, and region and class three, cause Lord Botetot's uh, mm -hmm. 3D. So, I, you know, it's something to watch, but like, I don't, I just don't write them off because of it because they have been close. They have been tight. And, you know, you, you see that out of teams that, you know, they, they know what it takes to be right there. And at some point it, it 
if it just clicks just a little bit, that could be the difference of them winning a lot of these games. So I'm anxious to uh, see them in the postseason. I, I don't, I'm not trying to wish the season away, uh, but uh, I, I am anxious to see them overcome that because I think they can. And, and you know, that's a program that's used to winning. So that's, that's why I think they can, but you know, they're going to have their, you know, they're going to have the district where I agree. They're not really going to, they're not going to be, be tested. If they lost a district game. I would be surprised. It's going to be fun when they play Fort Defiance and maybe put up a hundred. Let's see what they do against Stuart Straft <laughs> when, uh, you know, Stuart Straft is, uh, has come up a whole lo- a long ways this year, but like, they're going to go into that as the heavy favorite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, I say it's fun. It is kind of fun to, to see who, who could, who could try to knock, knock them off. And I, I don't, I, they're the best team. I, I'll give them that. And so I'm excited to see what they can do and, you know, gear up for the postseason and hopefully, hopefully not have any blemishes that surprise us down the stretch. And we'll see. Right. And, and again, my, my point is in, in, being concerned for the region for Stanton is uh, they're not there yet. If this team doesn't improve from today, they're not going to the no. state tournament. And so that's my point on uh, they do need to improve. And I'm not saying they can't improve, but they've got to improve or they're not a state tournament team. My other concern there would be, and this is what I'm saying, and this kind of lost a heritage. Hopefully coach Mickens can keep his team grounded and keep them working to improve and not let them get complacent. And what I mean by that is they're not going to get better looking at the scores of this Shenandoah district. They 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 need to go out and have a certain... Coach Mickens needs to have certain things he wants to work on, yep. and those need to be accomplished in a game. Because the scoreboard, frankly, doesn't matter if you're a Stanton fan of the Shenandoah district. If, that scoreboard, if you're on the wrong side of that scoreboard, that's trouble in paradise. You need to be expecting blowout wins against Shenandoah district teams this year. Shenandoah yeah, District is not very good. Not yeah, so much a it's just not very yeah. good this year. It's not going to be a deep district. This is not the iron sharpens iron Shenandoah District. This is this is, not, yeah. this is aluminum foil, and you're hoping <laughs> you're hoping Stanton is a samurai sword, and when they get to the region, they can show that. But the rest of this district is just not going to be what they need to get better. So it needs to be individual things that coach Mickens needs to see from his team and they need to accomplish those. And then that's the Stanton standard. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's yeah. the program and school that's has banners covering one end of the gym there or two ends of the gym, both ends of the gym. Yeah. Last time I was in there was covered in banners. That's that standard. What I do think will help it within this district is a team like Stuart Straft, who's got to play Stanton and, and play and, and understand what it takes to beat them. And I think Wilson will be a good matchup for them. And there's a Stuart Straft team. They just beat Central this past week by one point. That's a that's a Region 2B win, a good sign for the future that they're playing right there with Central. Actually got the win. Uh-huh. Um, we're able to do that. They're 9-3 and three on the season. They've really risen up this year. Uh, Brad Dewitt doing a great job in his fourth season there. So I do think outside of the Stanton standard, there is some help in the Shenandoah district for some of these other teams where those other top teams kind of kind of help Stewart's draft, keep them ready for a two B tournament. And, and I think Wilson can provide that kind of challenge as well. So um, I, I think we have a for lot draft. of good matchups ahead of us. I'm, I'm interested what, yeah, for yeah. draft, for draft and two B. Yes. yes. I, I'm if, if we're not putting Stanton in the top two of the region three C, we're not putting Wilson in the top two of the three C either. So, but they're going to come with a challenge. They got talent there. They're well coached. So they're, they're going to provide challenges to Stewart's draft, 
Fort Defiance, that different style, being able to like go into a one-off game and, or, you know, two off in the district, but, you know, handle that different style in one game and see what you can do, you know, all good tests for, for Stewart's draft and some of these other teams. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think, you know, Stewart's draft and Stanton kind of starting to stand out as who we hope to go the deepest, maybe get out of their regions. Um, you know, if Stewart's draft beaten Central, I mean, that right there gives you hope that, you know, they can find a way out of the region to be. Yeah, I, I think so too. And again, my, my my biggest fear with what this means is uh, for Stewart's draft, can they keep this going? Because yes, that central game is important. And I hear what you're saying on Fort presents their own kind of challenges that will be interesting to see. You got to be able to um, go into a game against a team that you're not used to playing that style and prepare for that game and play, and, and take it on. Yeah, and I, that's what I'll, happens in a state tournament. I'll you're freely play admit slightly different styles, and you have to be able to get coached up in a day or two and get ready for a game. I think Fort kind of kind of handle that, give you that you know bump in the road of okay, we got to change our mindset here. I'll freely admit, I, outside of the Shenandoah District, especially, I don't know what kind of systems we're seeing from these other teams in 2B, but I don't think we're going to see another system like Fort, and I don't know if we're seeing Fort. No, I, Fort is going to be I'm, borderline in that region if they make it. I'm just saying, I guess I'm just given that, like, here's something, we we have to be coachable. You have to, like, go into a You might see a press. That might be the, the defensive end. And, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what we generally have on the boys' side. You know, the bottom teams are the bottom teams. And, and Waynesboro beat Riverheads, so they got their first district win. Uh, Buffalo Gap and Riverheads play as soon as the weather allows them this week. They'll play each other, and one of those teams will have a yeah. win. But uh, we'll see what we got there. But, you know, we talked last week about watching Stewart's draft in that game against Central and knowing what they had ahead of them. Well, what they have ahead of them still there with Wilson and Fort this week for Stewart's draft. And that's opportunity win with Wilson. Those. That's a big challenge. You know, you gotta gotta make it happen. Uh, they're going to be going to Wilson, so a real interesting game there. That'll happen right now. It's get excuse me scheduled for Wednesday. It might get bumped to Thursday, but then Ford on Friday. And I think Ford, it like we said, it, it just kind of turns into a handle your business kind of game. Yes, you should beat them if you are this good. You should beat them. So go do it, and uh, that's their opportunity there. Over yeah, on the, on the girls' girl side's over. Over on the girls' side. Let's go ahead. Girls' season's over. Buffalo Gap is winning this district. Ain't so nobody touching them. Ain't nobody touching. Just like we just said, we'd be surprised if the Stanton boys lost a district game. At this point, I would be surprised if the Buffalo Gap girls lost a district game because and, they. And it, it's not only that they beat Wilson; it's the way they beat Wilson. That was a dominating victory to the point that yeah. I don't think it's Wilson had an off night. And they can correct that. I think Buffalo Gap is that much better this year. I, I agree. And for this program that has that experience deep in the state mm-hmm. tournaments, playing in class one, I think this indicator does give me a lot of confidence for them in the postseason. Because like we say about everything, region 1B doesn't impress us. So I think they're going to get out of this region without too much oh, yeah. worry. Um, and then see what you got from there. And the top of class one girls basketball is tough. I, I'm not saying gaps just going to ride off in the sunset and they're not losing another game. And, you know, they're going to finish 24 and two or whatever it takes to, to get there. I, I do think that they have a lot of confidence for good reason. They they're loaded. Everybody's back. We've been saying this week after week. And, and just the way that game went down with Wilson, they got up 
stayed up, took care of business. Um, the hemp girl had 19 tally had 10, um, similar leaders in the fort game with the uh, Kaufman girl stepping up bigger in that game. So I just, I like that. It's not necessarily just one girl that they're focused on. When we talk about Wilson girls basketball, it's just a lot of CC Robinson and, and that's great. And that's good. And that can work for you. And we'll, we'll see what they're able to do in region three C with that. But I think Buffalo gap being a little more spread out on who's their leading scorer in a given night is going to really pay off for them. And, um, yeah, I like that program. I, I have for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I used to know them better. I used to have family playing in that program and, uh, obviously Rob Ron's involvement with that program. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for them all the way. I know they play Riverheads this week. So that, that does, uh, start to, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Buffalo gap to have a great season. I love for Riverheads. That ain't going to happen. Riverheads on the bottom end of that. So, yeah. um, it would impress me if Riverheads can just show well versus them. Uh, but yeah, I think Buffalo Gap's got this uh, right where they want it. Um, and, and, but Wilson, I think is is going to kind of dominate right behind them. I think I think they're going to have two district losses. as what I think Wilson will do. I think they're a really solid team. Uh, the team that's kind of surprised us, I think, when we broke down everybody, you know, Stanton was on fire, and they just already had more wins than they had a year ago, and now they've gotten into district season here, and they they played draft, who's improved with you know first year coach Kev Siebert. Chad Siebert, um, but then also then Wilson. And those are two tough games that are two teams above them in the standings. But just the way they lost those, you don't necessarily think Stanton's actually going to finish as high as we were probably hoping they would. I, I still think they can maybe, you know, grasp hold of that fourth spot or something like that. But I just I, I don't think vying for that top three is really in them still. So, But it's a great improvement. Uh, Donsa Robinson doing a great job. And so, uh, you know, there's been improvement. We'll see what more. And, and maybe, maybe some of these first time through our losses in the district, maybe some of those become wins. That'd be something to look for. Yeah. And Fort's getting a little hot on the girls side, but I think again, like we touched on the boys side, I don't know how much iron sharpening iron is going to be going on in the Shenandoah district. Um, it, it may be Fort and maybe if Fort plays their cards, right, maybe they can string together enough wins to, to get one of those lower seeds and just get into the three C tournament. Um, yeah, that three C girls is so tough. So yeah. Even, even it's going to be that, quick. It's, it's going to be a quick exit, yeah. but it would be all, it would be a big accomplishment for the way their season started. If they're able to get into that three C tournament, that would be a major oh, yeah. accomplishment. Now I'm, I, agree. I haven't looked at any PowerPoints and there's a lot of season to be played still. So who knows how that's going to shake out, but uh, going back to Buffalo gap for just a second, I, the, the other bonus that I think coach Morgan has with this team, in addition to the, wide margin he has seemed to enact on the rest of the Shenandoah district between his teams is that team also has the motivating factor of being in the state tournament and not accomplishing the ultimate goal of the state championship. They are hungry for that. They know what it takes and they know yeah. that kind of like we were saying with the Stanton boys, it can't be looking at the scoreboard on this night was a success Buffalo Gap girls know, hey, it's great. We want to win all these games, but we know the kind of basketball we need to be playing if we're going to go deeper into the state tournament or if we're going to win a state championship at the Siegel Center. They know what that's going to take. Yeah, and they, they've been there for us. They've, they've experienced the disappointment building off that. I like that. All right, uh, moving on up to college basketball. Uh, let's, let's start with the women there. Uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, they had a nice win against Miami. It was tight early, but then they took off for them. But then 
kind of a surprise are down at Florida State. Now, Florida State's not a bottom-run ACC women's basketball team. They're, they they have a team, but you just didn't expect Virginia Tech to go into that game and lose. Uh, something that stuck out to me was some of the calls down the stretch. I'm not going to sit here and just say the referees cost that game, but there there was some crazy, multiple crazy officiating calls down the stretch, enough for Rebecca Lobo, uh, no pushover in the game of women's basketball and, and her coverage. Uh, immediately when that game ended, she was kind of going off about – um, particularly an offensive foul against Kitley, where if if I watch that highlight, I, I can't even see what the official made up. Like, I can't even see what he's pointing at. So uh, surprising there, but that's a good lesson for this team to take at some point of not everything's going to go your way. You're going to have to battle back from that. They do get the loss and they have to battle back from that. Um, but, you know, we'll see how Coach Kenny uses that as uh, motivation as they go forward. They got a tough one against Duke coming up this week um, that I'm excited about because Duke's traditionally a good women's program. So uh, a win with Duke there kind of reset everybody's mindset there. Uh, this isn't, you know, the house is on fire kind of loss at Florida State. This is a, you know, a tough women's basketball conference. You, you don't see the top of the top lose that often down mm-hmm. to the lower. You don't see the South Carolinas and the Yukons and the Tennessees of past um, you know, with those kind of losses very often, but they do happen here and there. So I'm, I'm hoping tech is becoming one of those traditional powers, but I still think they're getting their footing at that. So a surprising loss, but something I do think they can overcome. Yeah. I, I, this isn't like you said, it's not a push the panic button loss. It's, it's a loss you wish you didn't have, uh, but that's behind you. And I, I will say, I don't know if this Virginia Tech team is going to end up being a one seed in the tournament, um, but I do think they have a chance to make a run in the tournament, and I, you know, we'll see. And that's a success for Virginia Tech women's basketball. Um, This is a program that is in good hands. Kenny Brooks knows what he's doing. He, He built the JMU women's basketball program. He's building on the Virginia Tech women's basketball program. Went to a Final Four last year. I, I think, you know, when you look at what this team accomplished last year and you what they were returning, you were hoping another Final Four. I'm not going to say that's impossible because I did that last year and I was wrong. Um, but, <laughs> I was going to say, you said it before. <laughs> but I will say, like, I don't think they're going to have to do it not as a one seed because unless they really start rattling off wins to the point, like, we're not losing very many or if any games and – run the ACC tournament. Um, I think a one seed's probably out of the question. Uh, and just looking where they are in the in the AP top 25, it seems like that right outside the top 10 is right when they start to, you know, stub their toe a little bit. Um, and this, as you touched on, this is a really tough ACC conference. Yeah. The women's teams just keep getting better and better. I think the... Uh, bracketology that came out today had nine ACC teams in the tournament. So it's going to be a deep, deep conference. Unlike the men's side where the men are just hoping to get five teams in the conference. It looks like this year. Um, Yeah. And uh, when you look at the teams ahead of them too, you got, I mean, up top South Carolina, Iowa, we expect them to be one seeds. I mean, you're going to have a PAC 12 team. That's probably going to be a one seed out Mm -hmm. there because they have like three of those teams in the top 10. Uh, right now. So NC State uh, is still up there. So, I mean, that's another opportunity for Virginia Tech to knock off top seeds, uh, especially in the ACC tournament kind of thing. That's why if Virginia Tech does win the ACC, I think they're looking at the worst of two seed, you know, and that's a top eight team in the country 
they'll be that if they win the ACC from here. They yeah. go undefeated winning the ACC from here. Well, then they'll then be a one just seed. Absolute lock as a two seed, if not somehow sliding up. Back well, I up. think they would be a one seed if they go undefeated and win the ACC tournament. Yeah. From here on out. Yeah. But I mean, they'd be, they'd still have the three losses. And I see a lot of those teams up ahead of them. You know, there's probably four or five teams up there that they might only have one loss by that point. Yeah. So there's a team named UConn. Texas is really good. Colorado's really good. Like who's beating LSU and the SEC? Who's one of those Pac-12 teams is probably going to take off. You know, Iowa ain't going to lose. Baylor South and Carolina Texas are really losing. good. I, I would I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those teams win the Big Twelve. Um, yeah. that, so that's another team that you're. I mean, we're just talking Hopefully about. Hopefully, they start knocking and, each other off though. <laughs> yeah, and Kansas State's another team that's up there and has been dominant yeah. this season. So there, yeah. there, the number of teams that could possibly get a one seat ahead of Virginia Tech are a lot and there are teams yeah. that you don't know how many losses are on the schedule for them. So right. um, that's when I say Virginia Tech's going to have to do it not as a one seed this time. Um, it's not, a, I mean, they, they beat some really good teams last time in the tournament. They'd have I, to do it again. I, I'm in that range of hoping for that two seed, you know, yeah. so at least it's favorable. You probably still get some home games there at the beginning of the tournament, but then, you know, I mean, at this point, I'm not scared of anybody. I, I'm not scared. Oh, of sure. There's teams that we have not beat. We have not beat LSU and we have mm-hmm. not beat Iowa, but I'm not scared of them. I'm ready to, I, you know, I want those opportunities to take them on. So if we have to go into one of their regions as the two seed and it's the elite eight before we take them on, let's have at it. So. Sure. Um. So then uh, the JMU women uh, are undefeated in the Sun Belt. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about VCU. They had a good week. VCU women did have a good week. Uh, they had a massive lead against Fordham, then held on, found a way to win a tight game without one of their top guards. But then uh, she did end up playing on Saturday against Loyola. They cruised to a victory in a fairly comfortable game. And now they've got LaSalle coming to town. Um, the A-10 is honestly, that's a women's conference that right now only has the, when, the, when I was talking about women's bracketology, I was curious to see where the A-10 would stack up because they've got quite a few teams in the upper echelon of the net rankings right now, only one team projected to make it. And that's whoever wins the conference. But St. Joe's was on that first four out. I think it was either first four or the next four out. So there's a second team bubble there. And uh, for VCU, it's LaSalle uh, Saturday. Then they're going to have, you know, a massive game coming up. Uh, with George Mason on the horizon, uh, they'll play them twice this year, just like Richmond. Uh, and those are both in-state teams. They're both VCU's big A-10 rivals. And they're both really good basketball teams in the upper echelon of that women's net rankings that I was talking about earlier. So it's going to be a huge test for VCU. This is a team that, when they're playing their best basketball, absolutely could win the A-10. But this year, uh, in years past, it's been one, maybe two teams could win the A-10. Uh, this year, I really do think there's there's probably a handful of teams, the top six on any given night could beat each other. And uh, that's going to make for a really exciting A-10 tournament when that comes around. Uh, but it was a great week this week with a with a win against Fordham that they needed uh, that was a little closer than they probably wanted. And then uh, going on the road to Loyola and taking control there. I did want to just circle back real quick. Virginia Tech last year uh, had four losses going in to Selection Sunday. Uh, all those losses in the ACC, lost to number five Notre at the time, Notre, number five Notre Dame, lost to Clemson, uh, lost to Miami during that season, and lost to, at Duke. So, like, there is room for still having 
optimism, even with a couple ACC losses. So when I said they have to go undefeated the rest of the way, I didn't mean they have to go undefeated the rest of the way. But obviously the better, more wins, the better. But like they lost their last game in the ACC last year, January 26th, and then went on a tear. So, uh, you know, I think it's possible they can go on a tear again. Yeah, there's a lot of tough road games on the schedule. So I don't know if they're done losing. I'm, I'm glad they've already gone to Florida State. <laughs> They'll also be going to NC State. So, yeah. And Louisville and Notre Dame. I ain't scared of nobody. Okay. Uh, all right. On the men's side, uh, the men just are inconsistent. And I'm scared of everybody. Virginia Tech. You're, you're saying VT women, you're not scared of anybody. For VT men, I'm scared of everybody. Yeah. Anybody can beat us. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think any given not night, good. someone can knock us off. Yeah. But I'm also like, you know, I just don't roll into any game like we are absolutely doomed here. I, I liked what we did against Clemson. I liked the type of game we had against that ranked Clemson team last Wednesday. But then Miami, another tough team. Like, it's not an embarrassing loss for Tech on Sunday, on Saturday. But I, I didn't enjoy how we played in that loss. And and I know some people on Hokie Twitter were trying to, like, well, there was still a lot of positive to draw from that game. I don't know. We had a lead, and we blew it. And, and I don't like that. And when Padula is great against Clemson, it's like it it emboldened him to go a little crazier even on Saturday. And I think he played outside of himself, and that was part of the reason we lost. And when your point guard is playing outside of himself, that is a problem. So we need to have less of that. To yeah, let's, let's just talk about UVA. UVA, oh. there's a lot of a lot of negative, and mm-hmm. they've lost to Wake Forest, and there's a local journalist uh, that covers UVA. I think he's based out of Charlottesville, and he's, you know, saying the worst things about Tony Bennett. I just don't, I don't understand it. Both of these teams are going to try to get right against each other this week, and so it just it, it throws gasoline on the fire of what is Virginia Tech-UVA rivalry when Wednesday night they're playing at 7 o'clock on ESPNU, and both these teams' fan bases really want a victory. <laughs> and both of them you know, kind of need it in a way to just kind of get their mind right. And so I, I think it's just absolutely makes this game Wednesday even even more exciting. It's going to be a big matchup for both teams. And, and we're in the not-so-distant past. It was a big game in terms of we want to be a higher seed in the ACC tournament when that comes around. This is a we want to be in a spot where we can, you know, be in the middle of the road in the ACC tournament maybe um, because – Both these teams are just not having the seasons they want. Yeah, I I think the person who's writing that stuff about Tony Bennett, um, it's bizarre. Bizarre. It's bizarre. I I think a lot of that has to do with he's not really welcome in Charlottesville anymore after some stuff that was written during football season. Um, And so maybe he's taking that out on the coaching. I don't see how that helps him. Um, Because I here's the thing. And we've been on this podcast before and we've said your job as a journalist isn't to be a mouthpiece for that program. And I do think that's true, but you don't, you don't write negative for the sake of writing negative. And I, I think that's what's going on with this. If you honestly think Tony Bennett is not a good basketball coach, I honestly don't think you're very smart. Um, the man has just done too much winning for me to look at one year and be like, oh, well, obviously he sucks. Like, yeah, maybe this year's not going how they wanted him. But I I think Tony Bennett is going to figure that out and make the corrections he needs to for next season. I'm not sold that he can't get it turned around this season. 
Um, right. the, the ACC in most years, you and I end up here in March saying, well, maybe the ACC is just really good and they're not getting the respect they deserve. I do think this year, the ACC is not good. Like, I do think that's a fair assessment outside of like the very, very top. I think the ACC is very weak. And I, I think you're seeing a lot of middle to bottom teams beat each other because they're all about the same level of mediocrity. And folks in that group don't want to hear that their teams are mediocre. They want to hear that they're going to the tournament and that they're good enough to be in the tournament and they're good enough to make noise in the tournament. I just don't think that's the case this year. Virginia Tech, I, I see the same things you do on Twitter on the insane spin zones going on with, you know, why Virginia Tech men's basketball is fine and shouldn't be worried um, and why they're going to, you know, turn it around and be amazing. Maybe they will. I haven't seen it. Um, and it's but mainly... to be fair, to be fair, and this is me saying this, this is Leland sees maroon and orange yeah. <laughs> glasses. It's from one it's a different account. standard at UVA than it is at Virginia Tech. Too, yeah. Though. Like I, I, I like that team won a national championship. So like it is a different standard. I think tearing Tony Bennett apart is ridiculous even considering that standard because you talk about some individual losses for UVA in the past. You don't talk about time periods of yeah. loss for Tony Bennett. And this is the first time things are kind of adding up. This is the first time that's ever happened. And like, you could kind of see it coming with like some of the rebuilding with recruiting that they were talking about. I remember in the off season, they talked about like the fresh faces and who they had and these holes they had to fill. And like, it, it just, it doesn't shock me that they're having a little struggle. So when I sit here and chuckle about it, but I'm also not going to be like, yeah, I mean, I'd love for them to fire Tony Bennett. That would yeah. be my favorite thing that they could do. But that is me as a tech fan saying that, not as a basketball fan. I mean, there's no way. It's like no me way. with it's the Steelers. Disgust. It's like me with the Steelers when oh they say we're going to fire Mike Tomlin. I'm like, oh, please. Yeah. I would love for Mike Tomlin. A coach who hasn't had a losing season in 17 years, I would love for yeah. him to leave the division. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's the same <laughs> thing with Tony Bennett. You're exactly right. Like, the reasons I want Tony Bennett to get fired are selfishly because I want to see Virginia Tech Selfish men's basketball <laughs> benefit. Um, I think it would hurt UVA. I that's a that's another thing too that like honestly, look no further than the football program. You chased away Bronco Mendenhall, who was building something there, and what happened? Chase away Tony who are you Bennett. Get? Chase away Tony Bennett and see what happens. Because this is the uncomfortable part, and honestly, it's an uncomfortable part for Virginia Tech too. But it's even more so for UVA, from what I've seen. Is that administration committed to making the financial sacrifice they need to make to bring in a top-tier coach? The answer is no. The answer is absolutely they no. Have a top-tier coach. They have a top-tier coach, but if they fire him, <laughs> but if they fire him, are they going to be willing yeah, to go get him to pay he's another a great one? Guy, but he he ain't Tony Bennett. No, and, and honestly, we're getting ready to talk about JMU. I mean, they're losing some games they probably shouldn't be losing right now, and it's kind of thrown their tournament hopes into flux a little bit. It's It was always going to be the Sun Belt Conference Championship or nothing, yeah. but it, it does put them into a situation of, okay, now you're in the middle of the road in the Sun Belt, and you're really going to have to start turning loss. it on. You're really going to have to start turning it on. Yeah, you can't lose home games. It's It's that simple. You can't lose the home games. Um, the at Southern Miss is one thing. Appy State's another though. That's a game you needed to have losing that game. And, and honestly, just the offense being horrendous in that game is what hurts. Um, but back to UVA for a second, like 
Tony Bennett's system is also a system that relies on veteran leadership. And I don't, when I look at the roster as it is now, they don't have that. And you've touched on that with the new faces point that they made yeah. in the, in the off season. Like it's just not there this year and that's okay. It They'll be fine. Like it, it's crazy to start saying, and you're right. It is a different standard at UVA than Virginia tech for men's basketball, but it is. I will say this. I don't, UVA is not going to pay somebody more than they're paying Tony Bennett. Right. I don't, I can't imagine who they could actually get to come there after firing Tony Bennett. Like, like what top level coach is going to be like, Oh yeah, let me go buy into that. Like we get, well, I don't think, I don't think they would, I don't think they could afford them. I think Tony Bennett is the ceiling of what UVA basketball can afford. I don't think they can pay anyone more than what they're paying Tony Bennett. Yeah. I just, Anytime I hear even a whisper of questioning Tony Bennett, I'm just like, shut up. This this is stupid. So, um, JMU, just closing that out. They have two home games this week. So, that's how you got to get right. UL Monroe should be a win. Marshall at home should be a win. So, needs to be. Gotta make the Marshall's win. good, but it needs to be. Marshall's good, but it's at home. You got to yeah, win. Yeah, got to win. Um, all right. Uh, NFL. So, I broke this up to kind of move us through this conversation of setting up these games that we have. Uh, Saturday, 4.30, the Texans are playing your Ravens. The Texans get to play your Ravens because they beat the Browns Uh 45-14 to in a game I didn't watch one minute of. Um, But Texans, you know, came on strong at the end of the season, still playing strong. But these Ravens, I I just would be surprised if the Ravens even mess around in this game. I I think they get up a couple scores and kind of cruise from there uh, and win this thing by like 10 or 14 and and just kind of handle the game the whole time. Yeah, I'm not really worried about the Texans. Um, it was great to see them beat the Browns because that was a team I was a little worried about. Yeah, um, you were you were way too worried about that about that team. You know what I forgot though? <laughs> you know what I forgot? In his heart Browns. of hearts, in his heart of hearts, Joe Flacco is a Raven, and he took the Browns franchise down <laughs> from within. Great game by Joe Flacco uh, to yeah. make sure that the Cleveland Browns couldn't win another Super Bowl. Um, I, I mean, this is what I said last week though. I mean, it's the Browns. It's the Browns. They and the the Texans are good. I mean, they have a good quarterback. They have a very yeah. good rookie head coach as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Ryan's, in but the future, yeah, it's a team that I would worry about in the future. I, I think yeah. this year it's going to be a a lot of firsts for road playoff games, and those are hard. They're hard to win road playoff games. I do think, as you so said, I think the nice. Ravens. We're getting healthy. Mark Andrews is coming back. We're getting healthier. There are a lot of teams that are getting more and more injured as the season goes on. Um, but the Ravens are not that team. And so I do think the Ravens kind of win this game. I don't think this is the game that's the struggle. I think the next one's probably the struggle. What's the line on that game? Uh, da, da, da. Well, we'll come back up. to lines. Yep. Um. All right. So then the Saturday night game on Fox, the Packers at the 49ers, another classic matchup. We saw the Packers. Just go in and have a delightful game against the Cowboys last week. Uh, it was 48 to 32 early in the second quarter. I just turned to my wife and I said, this is just going to be a delightful blowout to watch the rest of. Will we see someone get fired at halftime? You know, will we see, you know, Jerry Jones fly out of his perch and, and come down to the field and start lighting McCarthy up? I do forget, though, that that Jerry Jones doesn't just go off the crazy wagon and fire everybody. Like, he's not Steinbrenner. Like as, as visible of an owner he is and as much as he talks and says this, I mean, he held on 
to, uh, and his name just escaped me, the last coach Jason there. Jason Garrett. He, he held on to him. Garrett. He held on to him for some years. And, um, yeah, like, so we've man. seen him settle into this with coaches where he really does give them a full full go. And the fact that he hasn't already fired McCarthy this week makes me wonder, is he going to hold on to him? And is he doing this again? So I don't know why I really thought he was going to fire him at halftime. But the way that game was going, <laughs> he thought maybe. And uh, that was one of those where Joe would have talked like when Fuente was there about firing him in the locker room. Like that, that was that kind of thing. So uh, it was a delightful game. And Love looked great. Love did look good. Um, I would say the difference between J- Jerry Jones waiting another year to fire Mike McCarthy or not in trying to compare it to the Jason Garrett stuff, there, the rumblings of firing Mike McCarthy were there last year when they lost a playoff game they probably shouldn't have lost. And now the to get embarrassed the way they did. I know the scoreline doesn't yeah, look as good. bad, but that game was over at halftime. They were They were yeah. dead and buried at halftime. Um, and also you have the options available in coaching that you have, you have Bill Belichick, you have Jim Harbaugh, you have other high profile coordinators still out there. Hell after that halftime speech on Fox TV, I thought Jerry Jones, (laughs) I thought he should have hired Jimmy Johnson. I was like, you already buried the hatchet and put him in the ring of honor. Bring him back. So lame. Well, how poetic Jimmy Johnson comes back to the Dallas Cowboys and saves the franchise. Wow. Goosebumps. That was so lame. I, like I, it was halfway, he was halfway through that little speech. I was like, what is happening? Right. Like, what am I, what's going on? Like I wasn't watching. I was hearing, what is this? Um, so the Packers and Niners, that's what it sets up. I mean, your hope Whoa. if you're a Packers fan is that Jordan love who is playing better and better when he is slinging it all over the field last week, you're hoping he just has like kind of the game of his life again, or, or even more so this week against the 49ers and just kind of keeps up with that offense. That's that's really your hope here. I don't think the Packers defense is going to do enough to slow the 49ers down. I think the 49ers are going to score in this game. Their defense is good. So I just be, would be surprised if the Packers really can go up and down the field. But I think that's your hope. It's just Jordan Love's just got to play out of his mind. You got to have the gunslinger and it's got to be firing on all cylinders. That's your hope if you're a Packers fan. I just don't think they get it done. I think the 49ers win this thing and uh, will host the NFC Championship. Because you know what the Cowboys did have success doing against the Packers is running the ball. And that's exactly what the 49ers are going to yeah. do. Yeah. Unlike the Cowboys, they're not going to abandon it. They're just going to keep doing it. And Well, you got to so much. <laughs> well, because they abandoned it. Um, yeah. The only line bigger than the Ravens game is this 49ers game. The 49ers are eight and a half. The Ra- to answer your earlier question, the Ravens are seven and a half point favorites over the okay. Texans. Niners I like that seven and a half line. That's what I was saying. They, I think half. the Ravens win by 10 or 14, so that seven and a half makes sense to me. Yeah. You said eight? Eight here? and a half. Yeah, I mean. I like that line. I just don't think Green Bay is going to be in this game. Yeah. I, I Yeah, it, neither one of those lines make me want to take the underdog. Uh, and given the week we just watched, I mean, there was one good playoff game. One. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, 3 p.m., NBC, Buccaneers at the Lions. The Buccaneers beat the Eagles, and I I just don't think anybody on this podcast thought the Eagles were fake. I think no one ever said that on this podcast. Someone did. Someone (laughs) said it when they were 10-1. You said it early. Someone said it when they were 10-1. You said it early. (laughs) They were like 10-1, and and you're like, they're fake. I mean, they might have been eight and one, and you're like, no, I don't believe. It. I, I was gonna like, say they weren't quite ten and one. They it was they were still on the rise when I said I just don't buy this team. There's yeah. some something here stinks, <laughs> and then it stunk. And, and yeah. honestly, like uh, 
there's a lot of people being like, how can they fire Nick Sirianni? Like, that's crazy. But he was in the Super Bowl last year. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, dude, this guy's been exposed. He got exposed. A lot of that was coordinators. A lot of that is also the defenses have adjusted. And he, there's not another trick in that bag. There's not another rabbit coming out of that hat. Like, he's the, done. He's the done. The thing about Sirianni, though, like, if you keep him, and they haven't fired him yet, so they could be keeping him. Like, it's going to be removed the Titans next year. Like, you lose one game, this talent's going <laughs> to come to your house and drag you out. Like, I mean, it's just, it's going to be removed the Titans without race being a, a topic. It's just going to, like, you're going to have to have professional security around you if you lose a football game next year. I just, so, I, I, oof. I, and here's the thing, and I, I was going back and forth with a few people uh, about this in the lead up to this game this week and this weekend, including your friends, not me, including yeah. family. Uh, that we're saying, you know, oh, the Buccaneers aren't any good. You said Baker Mayfield's not any good. Baker Mayfield looked real good in this game. Now, yeah. it did help that there was literally no one within his, a mile of his wide receivers. And then when the secondary tried to tackle them, it was like watching peewee football. It was like watching those little kids try to tackle the mascots on those videos that go around Facebook and Instagram where the mascots are just planting the little kids <laughs> and celebrating as they destroy them. That's what it felt like. And I was, I was laughing the whole time. And the other thing that's going to kill Nick Sirianni. Look, I am all for more aggressive. Use the analytics when it's, when it's right. But there were two instances where the first one. Okay. When you're at the one yard line and you're, you're going for the brotherly shove play that has worked almost every time. Sure. I get it. But then they, that gets stopped. So now you've lost a point there. But when it was fourth and 10, you kick a field goal. Oh, the Buccaneers were offsides. Now it's fourth and five. Okay, now we're going to go for it. I was like, what about the way your offense is played in this game has made you think you're about to get five yards on this play? And sure enough, it's an incomplete pass. And now you have four points that you have taken off the board on yourself. And at that time, it would have made it from a 17-point game, I think, to a 13-point game if he had taken the four points that he could have had. But there is something psychological about being down 13 versus 17. One, yeah. it's it's a two-score game instead of a three-score game. But the other is, it, it's you just feel like you're more in the game. And that's a team that honestly just, even when they had something good happen, it was like almost immediately their defense just absolutely failed. Oh, and by the way, he hired Matt Patricia, who Matt Patricia, I think we've all learned, not a very good coach. Not a very good coach. I, I, I didn't watch much of this game, so I, I don't have a lot on the details. Like I, I had a lot going on in the house with these never ending snow days, and um, I saw the score was closer, and then and when I came to it again, it wasn't. So I, I don't know. I, I saw the highlights. I did see Baker look good. They play the Lions because the Lions had a one-point victory over the Rams. They did not hit the over, if uh, anybody understands what I'm saying there. Uh, but uh, I'm happy for the Lions. I, you know, like it, it's, it was a satisfying game to watch. I pretty much had that one all the way through um, because the, the crowd was loud at the beginning. They had the success at the beginning, and they kind of held on from there, and then the Rams challenged them. But, you know, they made winning plays, and the defense stepped up. And, you know, last year when I was high on the Lions, the defense was the first thing to kind of give way. It, it was kind of a, a satisfying way to watch them win this playoff game. Uh, the first time they won a playoff game in Detroit since the seventies, 
They had the first one they played in Detroit since 1991, but it was like 1970 last time they won a home playoff game. So I, they uh, beat the Cowboys in that 91 game. Did they beat them? Mm-hmm. I misunderstood something. That was their last playoff win. The time before that, though, I think was the 1970 because like they didn't have a home game before then or something like that. It was something long, but I, however, not much since 1970. How's that? And so the Lions get to host. They got the Buccaneers going. What's the line on that one? That one's six and a half. Okay. Yeah, that I mean, seems right. The lines there. That but. seems right. I I do think the Buccaneers magic runs out in Detroit. Detroit's yeah. really good. Yeah. What I, and I was really happy it worked out to be the Buccaneers coming because I want the Lions to be in that NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know after the game, their guys said something about, well, we really wanted the Cowboys again because we felt like we got cheated last week. They're fine. They'll take another home playoff game. That's fine. It was a great atmosphere in Detroit, and uh, they haven't had an opportunity for that. You know, M&M's there. Everybody's seen in uh, Lose Yourself. Like, that's awesome. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see anybody hating on, you know, Eminem being at that game and getting attention. I don't know. Yeah, I know where you're going. Um, but I don't I don't no one no one's hating on him for that. Yeah. Um You know the problem with the Taylor Swift stuff? It's not Taylor Swift. No, it's she's not the problem. It's, it's the coverage of it. It's the, the guy in the truck that goes to Taylor Swift ten yes, times during the it's game. It's not her fault. She's showing up and watching she, she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. She's not being extra up there. No. And she's going to wear a, a jersey coat. Like, yeah, that's what she's going to do. Like, it's fine. What was Eminem wearing? He was wearing, like, a, a Letterman's jacket. Like, what? So, like, why do we have to hate hate on the coverage? That's my issue with the whole thing. It's the coverage of it. Yeah. Um, but watching the Lions. Coat because that, like, that game was cold as crap. Oh, yeah. Watching the Lions win was what, uh, before we move on to the Chiefs game. Um, <laughs> I was trying. It was awesome. It was awesome for those yeah. fans. It was awesome for Dan Campbell. It was awesome for the front office, who in large part kind of like we talk about when there are other teams that are like, oh, look at the hole we dug ourselves out of. Okay, it's a Michigan thing. They they burn their own house down and then are like, look what we were able to accomplish through adversity. Um, but so I, I my sympathy for the Ford family only goes so far, but – for Dan Campbell and they for the fans. They had a good amount of talent there for a stretch. For the fans any... of the Lions. That's what I'm saying. And they chased it yeah. off. They chased Calvin Johnson off. They yeah. chased Barry Sanders off. They traded Matt Stafford away. Like, So some of that is like pouring lighter fluid all around the house. The house catches on fire and be like, oh, my gosh. Now we have to rebuild through strength and adversity. <laughs> like, okay, and don't be dumb. But – um. For the Lions fans, it was awesome. It was it was yeah. a great win. Th- to do it against Matt Stafford felt again that was like script writing almost for that to be the matchup, um, and for them to win. Now they get the Buccaneers. I don't know what the important storyline there is other than old NFC Central rivals uh, collide in, <laughs> in the divisional round. <laughs> That's a strong reach, um, but it's just the Lions. The Lions is the story. Yeah, they've got a great shot to get to that NFC Championship game for sure. Um, so now to the cold game. Now the Chiefs, to the, both cold games. The Chiefs, yeah, both weather games. Chiefs beat the Dolphins twenty six to seven. It started at minus six temperature, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not game line, and uh, got colder from there. You got Mahomes' helmet breaking because of how cold it is and how it got impacted. Uh, you had 
everybody clear the stadium basically during halftime to try to get warm in the in the bowels of the stadium. It was crazy. It was cold watching it. I was like shivering and I'm sitting in a warm house. It was it was a cold game. It was a bizarre game. Um the Dolphins really uh did not play didn't well. Look like they wanted to be there. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. That was a team that just kind of like the Eagles fell apart in the second half. And the only thing that I think is helping Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins get away with it as much as they have is the Eagles had a much larger and much more public collapse. Um, yes. But for for the for the Chiefs, it's it's a win in the playoffs, which is great. I but. It's, you know, my cousin was like, oh, so you were talking bad about Patrick Mahomes. Just assume in the playoffs. I'm like, okay, well, now let's see him go on the road and let's see him not have a short field every time he gets the ball. Like, I I am very interested because this offense, I didn't think for the Chiefs played particularly well. I thought the Dolphins' defense was pretty bad. I thought the Dolphins' offense kept turning the ball over and, and not moving the ball. And their punts, because it's like punting a, a cinder block, were not going very far. Um, I mean, neither kicker. It, the kickoffs were amazing to behold where they were just like kicked along the ground and it's skipping like a squib kick every yeah. single time. Um, the, the helmet breaking was bizarre to me for a couple things. He went a whole other play before they stopped play. And to yeah, me, it was, was obvious yeah. when it happened. I was like, what the hell was that flying off his helmet? Yeah. And then you, they get the camera shot and I'm like, Oh, and then the officials call a timeout for him to be able to change his helmet. I was like, yeah, that, if should. that's anybody else, they have to leave the field. Patrick Mahomes yeah. needs to leave the field. Yeah, the Chiefs wrong. were at the two-yard line. I was like, please. And th- that game was already decided at that point. I was like, please. It doesn't matter. They could put the backup in. Honestly, I, I would have I pulled my starters in the fourth quarter if I were the Chiefs and told them, go sit in the locker room and get warm. Don't freeze to death. This game's over. I did just look at the Dolphins, and I thought, you know, I sensed this. I, I heard people saying this. The only good team that they beat is the Cowboys. Well, and those two teams both had very public, sizable defeats at the playoffs. Like, yeah. And both of those teams have the same concern, right? Like the Cowboys, you're like, oh, who did the Cowboys beat? Eagles and the Dolphins. Okay. Or the Cowboys didn't even beat the Dolphins. But for the Cowboys, you're like, who did you beat? The Eagles. Okay. Not great. Um, And, and then for the Dolphins, it's the Cowboys. And, oh, not good. Dolphins lost to the Eagles. Yeah, so that that triumvirate. They stole one from the Lions. The Cowboys did. Yeah, they did. I do think if they, I do think if those two teams played again, the Lions would wipe the floor with them. Yeah, they beat the Rams as the only other team, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's not much. Yeah, so they're both gone, and that's that's fine. Uh, The Chiefs move on. They have to travel to Buffalo. Buffalo's game got moved from Saturday uh, to take on the Steelers. From Sunday, excuse me, at one o'clock to Monday, and they couldn't have played. I like I see the Twitter talk and like, oh, they're just wusses moving again. Like, just outside of football, outside of football, you can't commit the resources it takes to get sixty thousand people to that stadium and watch a football game. And it's not right. It's not right to that community. It's not right to the safety of the people that have to do that, the police officers and security individuals and people being hired by that. Like, you can't ask them to do that. A day later, you're do, asking them to do it, and apparently that's okay. But okay, but you got you you just can't. But number two, they showed that field on Sunday on what was going on, like the wind. And so, you couldn't have played. You like 
we need to watch a football game. We all want to watch a football game and like something that resembles football to decide who advances in these playoffs. And you wouldn't have had that. So it's fine. It got moved to Monday afternoon. Sure, the NFL hated it, having a 4.30 Monday game. Thank goodness for their sake. It was a, a holiday that uh, many agencies uh, uh, have the day off for. So, like, that's great. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't optimal for the NFL. But you live. You, you move on. You've added a playoff game. So you'll live with this. Uh, the Bills go into that game, just absolutely start on fire, beating the Steelers. It wasn't – I don't know how much it was the Bills on fire. It was the Steelers being awful early. Um, and then the Steelers kind of woke up and, and started playing a little bit. They never really made it a real game. Uh, Bills win 31 to 17. Um, let's just touch the Tomlin stuff here. I don't, I, I, I just, we've talked about it on the podcast. I don't understand anything about Tomlin needing to go away. Um, I'd be surprised if he wants to go away. He announced that he's going to stay, like he's planning on coaching the team next year. Like that's all perfect. I, give him a five-year extension. I don't care. Let's go. Like I get, they haven't won a playoff game. You know why they haven't won a playoff game? It has nothing to do with Tomlin. Is that they just haven't had a very good quarterback under center for like five years now. So you, I'm just not putting that all on Tomlin. And they've made efforts to have better quarterbacking. They they let Ben hang on a little too long. That happens. It doesn't happen to the great franchises because <laughs> they they handle this kind of stuff. But like I don't know, Steelers are a great franchise. I, I but like. You should have done that, but okay, learn your lesson, move on. But like, it just hasn't worked out since. And there's just been a lot of trying to fill in the gaps. Um, And there's still a gap to be filled. So like, you can explain why they haven't gotten over that hump. He's won a Super Bowl from you. It wasn't just the Bill Cowher players. Mm-hmm. That, no, he won a Super Bowl and they went to another one and they like, it's okay. It, like, he's a great coach. So like, just, I don't know if you're spouting off about Tomlin, I don't know what your problem is. I really don't. I can't put my finger on what it is, but. It's just you're wrong. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I I the reasons I like I said the reasons I want Mike Tomlin fired are because I'm a Ravens fan and it would be nice not to have to coach against him because he's a really good coach, um and he wins with bad players. Uh, this is another example. All the time. I thought Pickens after the game saying it's hard to play against the Bills and the refs was bizarre. I mean, there was one play at the no, end of the game where they probably should have called that. a pass interference, and I wanted that pass interference called because I like an idiot thought the Steelers would at least be able to keep it within 10 and a half. And they didn't. Um, I do think, I do think if they had to play the game Sunday, that would have helped the Steelers in the sense, like, I don't think the bills could have won that game by as much, but. Um, because the final score would have been like four to two. Yeah. I was, I was going to say it would have been mad, um, but. It wouldn't have resembled football the I, way that stadium. Yeah. Was. I get why they had to move the game too. And, yeah. and I don't trust me. Unlike when the Yankees move a baseball game and Major League Baseball, <laughs> Major League Baseball, who I do think actively sabotages themselves, um, the NFL's Somehow not going to do that. About the, Yankees. <laughs> the, the NFL would not have moved that game if there was any way they could have played it. And I think, right. you know, I, I know they were talking about having fans show up at like 10 p.m. Saturday they night. They were there doing it, and it's still the stadium. And was it full still of wasn't ready. And the stadium, yeah. by the time the game started, it still wasn't really ready because the seats were still full of snow. And they were like, the seats were it was the first snow. time in modern NFL history that it was, hey, it's general admission. Just show up. Like, yeah. If you get into the game, you get into the game. Just sit wherever. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and we're happy you're here. Um, that that's bizarre. Um, but now the Chiefs will have to go into that. I imagine it's going to be another cold game. It's going to be a tight game, and in fact, I think it's the close game that was uh, 
in terms of the spread, it was the only one that was um, within three points. I think it's two and a half is what I saw. Um, oh, really? It's it's going to be a it's three. Bills? The, the Bills are minus three. Um, oh. I like the Bills there. I, I do think the Chiefs are not going to beat the Buffalo Bills. I to me, this is boring to say this is chalk this week. This is chalk. Yeah. I'll take the Chiefs just to argue about something, and that's fine. I mean, like the Bills can beat them. I, I, I'm not going to argue that hard about it. I think this is a toss-up kind of game. That's why it's the the closest one. But I mean, the Chiefs very familiar with playing at this point in the season, and uh, you know they're, what? They're though? used to getting that AFC Championship game, and so we'll see what they do. You know what I learned uh, this week? Um, just like when we have blowouts in college football, I didn't hear the noise for we need less NFL playoff teams this week. There was one good playoff game. The rest of them were blowouts. I didn't hear, we need to get rid of all these playoff teams. Let's just, you know what? Let's just have the top two teams. <laughs> it's the Ravens and the 49ers. Let's have them play in the Super Bowl. That's it. Or we just vote on it. Why don't we just do that? Because that's a dumb way to decide a champion. Oh, okay. We're all just going to sit here and watch blowouts all the time. Duh. If you see somebody that says that about college football, punch them in the face. They don't deserve to not be punched. In the face. I saw someone make the argument, and this is an argument taken. It's not exactly what you're saying here, but they're like, we'll see the Packers are the first seven seed to win. Well, it's only existed a couple of years here, too. But what okay. an accomplishment. And they're yeah. like, but that proves like in college football, like everybody deserves a chance. And I'm like, uh, the difference <laughs> between the Packers and, and the two seed is all heck of a lot closer than the winner of the Mountain West and the winner of the SEC. Like the difference in the talent on the team. I mean, this is the NFL. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot closer. It's a heck of a lot closer. We see this week after week in the NFL. We see three point victories all the time between one and 10 teams versus 10 and one team. Like that's the way the NFL is built. Like there's only so much separation. That's not how college football is built. So like, I just, I'm not going to use that argument. I'm not going to allow to hear that argument. Oh, see the Packers proved that, and now I'm tying it to things I've said that Boise State deserved. To, like, no, like that's it's not the same. Not the same. It's not the same because the 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 gap in talent is smaller so in the NFL. Different. Um, But I will say, like, as I've said before, the reason we went into this college football playoff thinking Alabama should be in just because they won the SEC is because we've been told that the SEC is amazing. And we found out very quickly it's not. It was just OK. It was just good wasn't amazing it wasn't way better than every other conference this year they were not way better I, i'm not gonna like just dump and the like, reason florida state didn't SEC get in the bottom of the it's convenient it was convenient for florida state to have their third string quarterback and that be the excuse they didn't want an acc team in once alabama won they didn't want an eight jordan travis could have been perfectly healthy and florida state would not have gotten in the college football playoff Ooh, ain't no way they would have put them in over alabama they weren't going to lock out the SEC, and that's the point when it comes to the college football playoff, why I do think it would be nice if everybody got a shot because, yeah, maybe the Mountain West team gets in there and loses every year. But then, you know, once every 20 years when the Mountain West champion gets an upset, it's cool. And then the conference perceptions can kind of play out with every conference actually having a shot at the postseason. And it's not just, well, the SEC isn't going to play, you know, these other power conferences to see if we're actually better than these other power conferences. Uh, we're just going to tell you to take our word for it that we're amazing because uh, we get three teams in a four-team playoff or two teams in a four-team playoff, and, oh, surprise, uh, we're in the championship game. I really like my idea still. 
undefeated conference champion, you're in. And then that's going to help. It's going to make the SEC say, oh, we need to go. We need to go schedule some belt teams to make sure one of those teams isn't there in the end to take one of our spots. Yeah, but I don't think that helps. I think I think that could help because then you have SEC teams with more opportunity to get knocked off by some belt teams and it might bring everybody back to earth. Maybe, but the problem is they're going to send Alabama to go play the Sun Belt. No, you you have like a no, but Alabama can't play everybody in the Sun Belt. They can only schedule one or team from that. You like you're going to have to spread it out. Like the SEC thinks every one of their teams is better than the Sun Belt. They do. That conference thinks that they think yeah. Vanderbilt is better. Well, it's because they're so told they're, they're going to across the board. You yeah. guys, everybody has to schedule these G five teams to make sure we have the opportunities for them to get knocked off. So we don't want Coastal Carolina stealing Ole Miss's spot of being the third team from the conference in the freaking playoff. Yeah, I just don't like the precedent, and this is why I think every conference champ should get in because the regular season does matter. If if you have twelve spots and there are ten just, conferences, regular season really matters. Because you only have two the at same large. as I didn't care about Penn State versus Ole Miss. I really don't care about Boise State versus eight and four Boise State versus anybody this year. Yeah, and then in March Madness, you're going to say I don't care about this different school different. from. I look at it completely different. Yeah, which it shows that you don't really have a good faith there argument. Five people on a. I mean, the talent. You the don't have a good faith argument. It's fine. You don't have a good faith argument. You didn't. You weren't interested in, in watching App State play at the Big House when they knocked Michigan off either. You don't have a good faith I argument. I watched that. I was. I was at LSU that day. Oh no, oh. I wasn't. That was at home. That was a Tech home game. That was crazy. All right. Um. So yeah, the only thing I'm like, I, I'm. I would take the Chiefs three points. That's the only thing I think we really saw different there. It's also going to be the only I'd be playoff shocked game. If it's chalk, I would be shocked if it's chalk. Also, my the Chiefs and Bills. I need the winner of that team of that game to be healthy because they got to knock off the Ravens. So not going to happen. <laughs> All right. So what's dominating my life? I'll go first. Uh, my my little league basketball finally got going. It's no longer the black team. Uh, I have reversible red and white jerseys now. So each week we're. Uh, either red or white, and the other team is the opposite. Uh, but we finally got going. I was really worried if they were ready. Um, and the first period of my boys' game at 940 in the morning uh, proved me correct uh, as we barely got the ball across half court uh, in that game. Nice. Um, but then I kind of looked at who I had in, and I realized I did that to myself a little bit. We had a lot of our less experienced players, and these are kindergartners through second graders. I think I had all my kindergartners out there. Uh, and so it got better from there and it was a, a competitive uh, game from there, but it's still chaos with these kindergartners uh, to second graders, little guys just, and they barely listen to anything I say. So that's fine. My girls, I also said, I don't think we're ready to play. And the main reason I said this about both teams is that we just haven't had practice. We had the Christmas holiday. Our schedules got all messed up because we, of because we did um there's been snow like every tuesday since then and i haven't had real practice since like the day after new year's and so i just didn't really think we were ready to play and uh we the girls proved me wrong they really came to play uh it was a two-point game at halftime don't ask me how many total points were scored at halftime but it was a two-point game at halftime uh we have a weird thing in this league where you you shoot free throws at halftime each player shoots two and they count. Uh, 
we do, we were not good at our free throws. So we, our deficit grew during halftime, but then we fought back and only lost by three um, on the court. We were right there. So uh, I was very satisfied with that. Our defense played amazing. Uh, the, our team missed a whole bunch of shots. Their team didn't get the opportunity for a whole bunch of shots. We were stealing the ball from them just consistently, really causing a lot of pressure. So I really appreciated that. Uh, so we will battle on uh, this week. We'll get going again. Hopefully uh, the weather allows. Don't get any practice this week because of the um, of all the snow. Uh, but uh, I was proud of my little league teams. I won't talk about them each week, uh, but I enjoy coaching them. Enjoy all the um, parents allowing me to coach their kids, but also all the other coaches and parents and referees and high school coaches that are so involved in this league that allow it to happen. So I, I use this venue to say that thanks to everybody that volunteers. Everybody's a volunteer. No one's getting paid to referee. No one's getting paid to do anything. Um, very much appreciate that opportunity for my kids to play in that, but also all the other kids in the, in the area. So happy to get it started. I'm sure I'll talk about it down the stretch. Um, but uh, we got going. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad the season got on. I was, I would, I've been asked what our team name is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, we're team McCray. So <laughs> not, not very imaginative. <laughs> it's what it says on the schedule. Team McCray. Sounds good. Jeez. <laughs> Got to come up with a better name. Yeah, it's fine. That's not for me. That's not the coach's job. Okay. Um, what's been dominating my life has been uh, we've finally finished the Christmas gauntlet. It's done. Hey! It's buried. We're done. See you in 11 months. Um, well, not that long. We'll see the family. 25 days later. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the, we finally got through the weather. Um, Did you have like a second advent calendar to count down to this? Or no, it was just a thing. <laughs> um, and is it the journey? You have the like the journey to Bethlehem for the magical night, and then you had the journey all the way back home with a newborn baby. Like, is the like kind of commemorate all of it? <laughs> yeah, and we could have. We probably could have gotten to the part where he gets out of the walks out of the tomb too. Um, but <laughs> it's the Easter quick. <laughs> it was just. It was just a. It was a process. I'm glad we got through it. It was fun. I knew it was going to be fun when we all got there. But in typical, just to like add to all the chaos that this was, like three of us are coming from the same direction, and we'll all pass each other to go down here and we took three separate cars because that's what the schedule needed. Uh, for instance, my mom went down a night before my brother and I, um, because she had to leave Saturday so she could go play piano at church on Sunday at her church. So she did that. My brother and I didn't have that. So we went down Saturday, but he needed to go back early Sunday morning and I didn't need to go back early Sunday morning and I wanted to spend time with the family. So we drove separately. Um, so we've got three cars down there and then everybody else, you know, in the family shows up and we have the, the celebration and the get together and the gift exchange and um, playing games, watching games while we play games. And um, my one cousin who I guess would be, I think he would be a sophomore in college. Yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. 
I'm pretty sure he's a soft. He would be a sophomore in college. Um, he's that age. He's he's uh, learning to be an MRI or X X ray tech. X ray tech. Awesome. Um, but anyway, while we're playing our game, um, he has a older sister, and then our aunt and uncle, my aunt and uncle, his mom and dad, and we're playing a game that I'm pretty sure I explained already called priorities where everybody plays against the game. Um, you're one team. There's five cards that will be put face up. They all have different things on them. One player secretly on a dry erase board ranks those things one to five for their personal preference, puts it face down. And then everybody else there has to guess the order in which you put it in for everyone. The team gets right. You get that card for everyone. You get wrong. The game gets that card. If the team, if the players spell priorities first or the game spells priorities first, that's when the game is over. The backside of the card has letters. So eventually mm -hmm. it will spell priorities. Anyway, that's the game. So we're playing the game. And this cousin has already given my brother and the other cousin that is my age um, comedy gold at family events in his past. Um, he. To this day, I mean, it's been like, goodness, probably a decade, uh, regrets ever saying pachinga, which is a word that I think he made up. And if he didn't, I don't know where he got it. But he was talking about, you know, like. What word? Pachinga. Pachinga. Okay. Yeah, P-A-C-H-I-N-G-A, as far as we okay. spell it anyway. Um, okay. and so like a bazinga from from big See, bang here's theory, the thing. uh you got cars the kachow it's and then you throw a p like it just kind of molded all together I guess here's so. the thing uh big bang theory is not funny up. so that's how i know he didn't get it from that because this is funny um and okay. i also don't think cars is funny if we're being honest um but well you'd say that in front of arlo i'll tell arlo to his face um <laughs> <laughs> but but um he was talking about, you know, he was talking to this girl and, you know, Pachinga. And I was like, I don't know what is Pachinga. So, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, <laughs> to this day, whenever uh, he, somebody, you know, there's flirting or whatever going on, or somebody's talking about a date or whatever, you know, if my brother, my other cousin that lives in Richmond, or I, are there and he's there. We always go, uh, Pachinga. And he's like, why do you guys keep doing that? Like <laughs> that was so long ago. And I was like, yeah, but it's always going to happen, buddy. He gave us another one this weekend when we're playing this game and it's his sister is ranking the things and we're all trying to get it in order. And his mom, my aunt goes, I don't know. I really think she likes this. And he turns, and for the podcast, I'm going to explain it because Leland's going to see it. He starts shaking his head with his eyes closed and puts his hand out at like a 45-degree angle toward his mom and goes, shakes it as well and starts waving his hand 45 degrees down just at his mom doing that, which we loved. So at <laughs> any point, if my aunt tried to say something, Throughout, whether it was in the game or later that evening, when she's just asking us as we're watching the Saturday Night Chiefs Dolphins game, if anybody would like snacks, she can't even get that out because she's like, would anybody? And we're just like, 
And she's like, <laughs> and calls my cousin by name and says she's going to inflict bodily harm upon him. But it was great. It was amazing. That cousin is comedy gold, and I love him for it. He's also a Panthers fan, so I got to hear how. Uh, oh Lord! I got to hear how Bryce Young's not the problem. I was like, uh, I think he's oh. a. I think he's a problem. He is. <laughs> he's not the he's problem. Not the problem. He's not the problem, but he's a problem. problem. Yeah, there's a lot of problems, but he's one of yeah. them. What I know that you need to know. Uh, right after we recorded a podcast last week, within 24 hours of us releasing it. Probably the biggest college football news in some years here uh, with Coach Saban stepping down at Alabama. Pretty surprisingly, I, I in other years, I think I saw I thought it could come. You know, I, I think it was three or four years ago. I felt like it maybe was brewing to that, but he does it now. And he goes out on his terms and that's fine. They bring in DeBoer from Washington. I kind of sat there for a day, kind of listened to a degree of people's talk about it. And he's done a great job. He just took Washington to a national championship. Mm-hmm. Very good. He was at Fresno State before that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, that I mean, it was four years ago. He was the head coach. He was a new hire at Fresno State. So he's really <laughs> been a, a lot quickly. I was like, so what? He used to be uh, under Saban. What did he used to be at Alabama? Did he graduate from Alabama? Like what? I don't understand why they hired him. I I can't figure it out. I think they must have made, they made calls. You know, they did. People have talked about it. And it's not disrespectful to Bauer that they did. Like you you, you call those big names that have the Alabama tie. Like that's not disrespectful to who you end up hiring. That's seeing who's interested. They must have not gotten very far with any of those people because of how quick they did hire him. But he's done a good, great job at turning around Fresno State. He's done a great job at turning around Washington. I, I just am not sold that this is going to work well. The pressure that comes at Alabama because of what Nick Saban had rebuilt there has resurrected from what it used to be at Alabama and then put it and then took it a million miles further. I mean, it's just a different level of consistent winning that Saban did there and the standard is absolutely set so high. I'm worried for this guy. I very easily could be over his head. He doesn't have to build that program up. And and I, we talked about the sec and it's not a supreme, it's still like, that's a different, (laughs) the standard of what we're talking about here is, is not that like, this is a top level program getting top level recruits where the pressure is at the absolute top level to succeed there. And I haven't seen him maintain a program. I haven't seen him build something and maintain that. And now he's going to just get dropped into keep it up, you know, fix what happened this year with not winning a national championship. You know, like that's crazy. That's crazy. So I'm, I have, I have some, my doubts that this is going to work well. Cause I just haven't seen this guy do that. And um, sure. They could have hired some of these other guys that, I think they probably called and engaged interest and heck I probably hadn't seen them maintain a top level, but they had maybe been at Alabama or they had coached under Saban or have this tie or have an understanding of what that is. Like I, I saw in his, in his hiring press conference saying, you know, there's only so many places I would like, 
the list is very small. It might've only been Alabama that I would have come to because I, I know what it takes for here. Like, I don't know. Does he, I, I don't know. I'm worried for this guy. Like I like on a personal level, I'm worried for him. I can't say that I am. I can't ignore that. Like, I guess I'm rooting against him to a degree. It's Alabama. I don't root for Alabama. That's not what I do. So it would make me happy if this doesn't work and they kind of fall down a little bit. Cause I, I don't know. It's, it seems like they're due. And that fan base, the attitude that they bring to most conversations about their superiority, I think they could really use a, a knockdown a couple levels. So that's my thoughts on him. I, I, I'm not optimistic for this dude. There's a lot to unpack that you said that some of which I agree, some of which I don't. Um, in, in terms of the coaching search, I, I think one of the reasons they, they ended up having to go to DeBoer, I don't think DeBoer was option one. I don't think that was no. their first choice. Right. A lot of coaches signed extensions for for more money where they are. I I do think some of them had the thought process of do I want to follow Nick Saban? Yeah. Probably not. Um I do think DeBoer's going to have a a rough first year in terms of Alabama standards because you saw as when he got hired the floodgates opened and the portal became active. There were a lot of Alabama players entering the portal. Um, Texas. Going to Texas, going to FSU, (laughs) going to different places. Um, Now, that's not saying he can't get some of those very talented players from Washington to come to Alabama. Um, That may happen. Um, But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, So I I, I don't think DeBoer was the first choice. For DeBoer to take that job, um, it's definitely more money. It's, It's... a big, big challenge. Um, and I did have a conversation with somebody uh, this weekend on, you know, they tried to say, well, you know, they said that Alabama wasn't going to be good after Bear Bryant left either. And I was like, okay, and how long did it take for Nick Saban to get there? And he's like, well, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. I guess that's a good point. And I was like, yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> Like, yeah, you don't want to be that's that's a tough job to fill. It's tough shoes to fill in terms of Nick Saban. Like it was tough to fill Bear Byron's shoes and they didn't like <laughs> they had Don Shula's son, Mike Shula coaching there. I remember when Mike Shula was coaching Alabama and it was like eight wins is a big deal at Alabama now. And then Nick Saban came in and he changed that. Um, I do think Nick Saban for, you know, he he spoke on it that at his age, it was just getting to be too much to do. And he just felt like he couldn't do it anymore uh, a little bit. And I think that's, um, I, I just, yeah. I, when he said that um, and gave and gave credence to that, it was kind of surprising. But I do think, uh, like you said, I, I wasn't expecting it this year. And when he said it, I was like, ah, I mean, I guess, yeah, he is. He has been there a while. Um, I do think the portal probably has a lot to do with it. And NIL and the changing landscape of college football. I do think that has a lot to do with it. And I don't think um I I don't think we're going to see what he was able to accomplish at Alabama for a very long time. I don't think and Kirby Smart is maybe gonna be the one that challenges yeah, that that's, right that's out what the, the first gate. Name I was gonna say. That's that's maybe the one that challenges it right out the gate, but I don't think we're gonna see this team just be dominant and and especially with the expanded playoff. In terms so of work, in terms of winning the national championship every year in year out, like I just don't think we're going to see that. And so I think the adjustment at some point you're going to like, if that's the case, 
at some point the fan base is going to have to kind of readjust to that. I don't think they have the same coach the whole time they adjust to that. I think, I think this coach will end up taking the brunt of that at some point. But I, yes, I, I do think Alabama, we'll see what DeBoer does, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't want to fire him before he gets started, but I just, I, yeah. he's good at building people up quick. He I, is. He, he built he Fresno state. Here. He built Washington. And right now he's inheriting, although there, as I said, there is a lot of talent leaving through the door right now. So there is going to be some building that needs to happen. And the offensive line wasn't very good this year at Alabama. So he does need to build that. And um, he's not coming in to, to do, this isn't Ray Norcross. You know, this isn't the guy that, you know, has been on the staff even recently or he he has no connection to Alabama. I don't, it was Tommy no Reese. To it was Tommy Reese or nothing on that staff. That was the only on staff option. Alabama but even was if going it's one consider. of those guys that had coached there somewhat recently, understood the standard of how Coach Saban, it's probably what they're putting in, like to a degree, like what works for them within that, in what they're doing at Texas or Ole Miss or whatever, like using some of that, like you could grab hold of what's still there. Like he he doesn't know what was happening there last week. Yeah. I guess who's the name you wanted them to get? I thought I want to get, I, that's not the right phrase. I I'm sure they called Texas and uh, Sarkeesian. I'm sure. And he was probably like, I, I just they, beat you. There's a, there's a leaked conversation of Ole Miss's coach. Lane Kiffin. Talking about. Yeah. That engaging would... him for interest. I, I wouldn't believe that Dabo Probably didn't call Dabo probably called them and told him what he thought yeah. about things because he's so anxious about stuff. Like those are the names I would have expected to be talked to. I mean, it, it, and not even I mean, I know he went to Georgia, so it makes sense, but you know, um I'm just bad on names tonight, man. Uh the coach at Georgia, like Kirby Smart, Alabama's there's zero percent chance. Alabama's gonna gauge interest from anybody and everybody. There's and a zero percent chance Kirby coach. Smart's they, they gonna about go. His interest. Yeah, th- th- there would have been a 0% chance that Kirby Smart goes to Alabama. Yeah, I didn't think he would go. But Alabama has that mindset of we can, we'll have anybody we want. Yeah, but I don't I don't know who wants that. Like, I honestly, I think Steve Sarkeesian was probably like, I just beat you. Now I'm going to go. I'm coming to the SEC anyway. I'm coming to your conference. I'm, I'm at Texas, me. which has a ton of money that I can. I Honestly, I think he used that interview or that job opening to get more money from Texas. I think that's the only thing he did there. And Mike Norvell was another one that was, you know, popped up. But I, that's another one that I think, I think he just took the, the money he could get from Florida State, which I'm surprised they have money because they're going to need it to get out of this ACC thing, probably, unless they back down, which I think that's what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to back down. But, um, yeah, I, Dabo Sweeney, I know, wanted the job. But it was very apparent early on. Like, in addition to the you thought Nick Saban died memorials, right? As like with that, you know, a block away was the Dabo Sweeney protest. Like, do not hire Dabo. So (laughs) they were scared of it. (laughs) They were scared of it. And it was painfully obvious they didn't want Dabo there. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think. It's going to be interesting to see how DeBoer does. I, I don't have the doom and gloom that you do on that. Um, yeah, I do. I, do. I just don't think, think it's going to be Nick Saban level of dominance. I, I think he's going to be fine there. I think there'll be a playoff team. 
but I don't think they're going to be, you know, I wonder if they're three more national like, championships in four years or whatever it was. I wonder if I wonder they could still have some success, but even like Auburn where they kind of just rise up every few years, but then kind of drop back and then rise up. Like, I, I think they get closer to something to that than sitting on the edge. But of I think that's normal. Year. I think that's normal. I think Nick Saban is, maybe Al, spoiled them. I don't think Alabama is going to learn to accept that with the same head coach there the whole time. But I think if if there's no team that's doing what Nick Saban did, then I think they're going to realize quickly, oh, this is just how it is. I think Georgia is built to be sitting on the doorstep of the of a high-ranked playoff team year after year. Maybe. I, I do think this expanded college football playoff is going to open people's eyes on just how hard it is to go win a game when you're not in when your quote unquote big games aren't in your stadium half the time. I think having to play top level competition more consistently, more weeks in a row, not all at home, I think that's going to. I think we're going to see some stuff. I. I so the expanded conferences is really what's going to do that. That that too, but I I also think the expanded college football playoff is going to have. I just an Georgia's impact. not going to be playing that many road playoff games. Like they would have been the five seed this year. They're neutral sites. You only have if you're if you're not a top four team is the only way you don't have a home game. They're, if you if you're a top four team, you don't even get a home game. They're neutral site games. Right. So Georgia would have played at home. I think Georgia is going to be an upper, like a top I'm saying they're not regular season games. Year in this playoff. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I, I do think the transfer portal. I think Alabama with Saban probably would have been. Yeah, but I do think the, the, the transfer portal and NIL, I think you're already seeing. This year was a great example of it. There, there was more parity this year than we have seen in a very long time. And I think that's going to continue to be the case. Not enough parity for Liberty. Um, the other side of this, I didn't know, and you told me this, that Saban, he goes on McAfee every week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to replace so Lee Corso, but not this year. Not this year. Four or five years ago, I thought Saban's going to retire. He's going to game day. And then I've come away from that. But when you told me that, that he digs McAfee and stuff, I, I yeah, I think he's going on game day. I think that's the plan. That that is yeah. absolutely the plan. Yeah, I, Lee Corso has said he wants to come back next year, so I'm guessing this might be like the last year with Lee Corso, and yeah. then they have an uncomfortable conversation with him. Maybe. No, yeah, they might. Maybe by that time, maybe like come September, you know, when the season gets going, it's like, all right, this is Lee's last year. Like Lee's last stops at all these places, and they celebrate him throughout the year. Like that's fine, and I'm fine with that. Like. Some people try to. Say that's what I'm saying. I, I think I, there's going to be I'm an uncomfortable conversation because I don't know if it. I, I don't know if Lee Corso is going to be like, I want this to be my last year. It might be an ESPN person saying, "Hey, how about we have this celebration for you this year that it's your last yeah. year? Because um, if not, we're just going to fire you." Yeah, and then like every year, when when we come down to Florida, close to where you live, you'll we'll have show you up on. on we'll, we'll have you be well, a guest hey, or whatever. Back here today yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I because they do want Nick Saban to to take his seat. I do think at that point, like Pat McAfee is going to be the person that puts on the mascot head or they're just not going to do it. Um, 
because I don't see Nick doing Saban some doing other that. crazy crap. I I don't think you can put the head on somebody I, else. I don't see Nick Saban doing that role. Although Nick Saban no. is apparently low key funny, all his players say he's hilarious. So I do think I, I we'll see. We can see that on game day. I do. I, I, I do I think we we'll see more see of that. that. Like I, yeah. I believe it. I believe that because I played for a football coach, the last football coach I played for, uh, who was low key funny. Like he, everybody just thinks he frowns all the time after winning state championships. And no, like he, he's hilarious when you like are around him and you're in the locker room or on the football field. Like you, so like, I could definitely see that out of Saban. I could see that he would be entertaining and be good. So yeah, I, but like, I don't think anybody's putting, mascot heads on their head like after course like i don't think you can do that like i think that he did it that's his thing if you do it once in a while or something to honor it like when it when it applies you know or something like that or on the anniversary of something like in memory or you know like that kind of thing but not a weekly thing no what i know that you need to know is that july 12th date that you saw earlier today maybe is a lie (laughs) we'll find out no, EA Sports, there's already been other reporters who have said they've reached out to EA Sports and they told them they don't even have a release date. <laughs> there is no Where release did it date. start today? There is no release date. It started today around like 2, 2.30. And by... Where, like what, what was the... Oh, there was, some, there was some guy from some Florida Gators reporter or blog or something that said July 12th release date for EA Sports College Football Video Game. And then about an hour, maybe hour and a half, somebody else is like, I've talked to people at EA Sports. They tell me that they don't even have an internal release date yet. Which, to me, uh, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Game's not coming out this year. July 12th does line up with what, when it used to come out. Like, within a week of that was when it used to come out. It was mid-July. So, um, I don't know. I I'm ready for it when it comes, whenever it comes. I'm not going to lose sleep between now and then. It's not happening. It's not happening this year. That's that's the big news, EA Sports. And you know what EA Sports at least did? They at least had the wherewithal to not be ho-hum quiet the entire time. Like, oh, there's going to be an announcement during the national championship, or there's going to be a commercial for the college football game during the national championship, and they didn't say anything. That backlash hurt. That backlash got to them because when this happened, it was almost no time at all for them to be like, uh-uh, we didn't say that. Mm-mm, nope, nope, nope. And I think it's because, again, two things. One, they didn't want that backlash again. And two, I, they don't have a release date. That, that To me, at this point in the game, when you've been working on it this long, six months out, that's a problem. I don't, I don't think this game's coming out this year. I want to see I want to see EA Sports say something. There there are no images from the game. There are no videos of the game. There is no news period about this game. This game is not happening this year. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to lose sleep between now and then. Like I'm I am so excited for it. It was my I mean I bought it every single year when I had a PS3. Absolutely, my favorite game of all time is the franchise of that. But like, I guess having seen what's happened in the last couple of years, Leland, here's another reason I know it's years, not coming out this I'm year. Into it. Here's another reason I know it's not coming out this year. They don't even have a website for the game. If you go to easports.com and try to go find like anything, doesn't exist. 
does not exist. They've got websites for games I didn't even know existed. Nothing. This thing is done. It's not happening. I don't know if it'll ever happen. This might just be a giant ploy by EA Sports. <laughs> I didn't say that they denied it, so that's interesting. All right, well. Oh, yeah. Uh, that'll do it for us on the Xbox podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that's my job this oh, week. Oh, yeah, other people are listening to us talk. Yeah, forgot that was the thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so catch us on the Yak Sports Podcast. Uh, we've got uh, high school sports that we're going to break down next week as well as the basketball seasons continue to go on. If Leland comes across wrestling news, uh, he'll share it there as well. Um, until then, folks, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Tell your friends about us, YAC Sports Pod, and never miss another episode. Interact with us on Twitter or Facebook. That's YAC Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Or you could email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the Shenandoah District, how it's going to shake out. Or if you're Jeff Wright, you know, you just keep tweeting at us occasionally about all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, love we it. do love it. We do love it. Um, what what was it this week that he Oh, the Packers the Packers game. Yeah. Love that too. That was insane. I just here's the thing, right? You closet cowboy fans. Here's up. the thing. Uh I actually do think Jimmy Johnson might be the best option. <laughs> you would. Because you love him. I do. You love the Cowboys. I, I think if they hire Jimmy Johnson back, I think they might win another Super Bowl. Um, I don't. Just to, to be an official <laughs> response to what you just said, I disagree. Can we say how weird it is that the Chargers? Can we get Bradshaw back at back at quarterback? I think he'd take us to the promised land. Like, no, come on. Uh, it's different than that. <laughs> um, but can we talk about how weird it was that the Chargers tweeted we interviewed Jim Harbaugh and the Falcons tweeted we interviewed Bill Belichick? That's weird. Like that when they tweeted that, I was like, wait, did they hire him? No, they just interviewed him. They just want to make it known that we interviewed him. That's weird. You know what that screams to me? Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick probably left both of those saying, Don't call me, I'll call you. No, like, <laughs> like I that to me was like, that's a problem. <laughs> because I don't why are you tweeting who you interviewed? That's weird. And that's like it's not like a reporter's like the Chargers interviewed. No, it is the team's social media accounts. It's weird. I I don't ever remember seeing that. That's weird. So, for more thoughts on I guess interviewing, I missed that too. I don't know. I'm, I'm I guess I'm out of the loop, man. man. Yeah, Leland hasn't been paying attention. So, leave it to me. I'll tell you about everything going on on social media. Um, <laughs> because Leland's coaching basketball, I'm not. Um, I'm just calling it. So the snow is what's ate me up this week. <laughs> Moving snow, it, I just I got to move to the south. Mm. Um, for some it is the south. Until then, folks, make sure you're subscribing again so you never miss another episode. And we'll be back next week with more Yak Sports podcast. 
You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.